Aren't you glad you're part of it? testified today can't we that he's broken the chains of our lives well I trust if we have any that's still attached today he'll break them off too Amen. that's our life as a Christian getting those chains constantly broken and severing off of us Amen, Amen. Revelation twenty two twelve. I greet you today in the name of the Lord Jesus what a privilege it is for us to be in the house of God Amen. I know sometimes we take things so for granted you know just being a Christian serving the Lord and living for him but I want you to think how blessed you are today. Amen. Many people aren't up yet. It's uh, 11.23. Uh, they've not got up yet because they're still dealing with their hangover from last night. Some of them are still trying to look for another hit of some type of dope or pill or something that will help them. Some of them won't wake up because they got so high it took them out into eternity. So here you are today as a Christian. He had a desire to come to the house of God, Amen. to live for the Lord, Amen. to be able to serve Him. Yes. I hope we don't ever take those things just for granted. Amen. Amen. Jesus has been so good to us in His mercy. Let's read part of this caption here of um, the closing of the book of Revelation, which the word means apocalypsis, or it's actually the taking off of a cover or the revealing of something. And we're going to... Uh, catch this scene again today and we'll contrast it uh, with uh, the quote that we read last night from the church age book behold I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be I am Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end the first and the last blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city what a wonderful place. What a blessed place. But let's contrast where we're going with where we are. The uh, Thyatira Church Age. I will put upon you none other burden. The word for burden is weight or pressure. The pressure of the dark ages was either bend or be broken, bow or die. It was the Inquisition. The power of the empire backing up satanic worship be organized or pay with your life each age had its pressures now here's where we are for example a great burden of the last age is the pressure of riches soft living and nervous tensions in a complex age that we seem unfitted to live in now, probably a lot of you today would say, well, I don't deal with the pressure of riches. Well, compared to your grandmother and grandfather and the predecessors before us, yes, we do. Because many of our mothers and fathers tried to make a better provision for us than what they had. And their fathers and mothers, you know, done the same thing. So compared to many of our descendants, yes, when I was a little boy, me and Harry 
we lived in a place that did not have any inside bathrooms. We had to go outside. We didn't have any running water. Now, that, believe me, I'm not 150 years old, so I'm not that old. So it ain't that far back. Many of you can be able to relate with me as well. Things and, and yet, what did it make you want to do? Be able to provide a little bit better for your children. Is that right? Many of you struggle for years of your life trying to make a living because you wasn't able to get a college degree. So what did you want to do? You wanted to put your son through college. So maybe your son or daughter would be able to have life a little bit easier. And what happens with that? It brings more pressure. For example, let me read it again. For example, a great burden of the last age is the pressure of riches, soft living, and nervous tensions in a complex age that we seem unfitted to live in. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, as we are here today once again in your great presence, Father, we've not come under the auspices of some denomination or some headship of some man somewhere, but we've come here today, Father, that we might be able to hear from heaven, to be able to worship the living God, to sing, to pray, to hear testimonies of things that you've done among us. Lord Jesus, to some, going to church on Sunday is just a tradition, but I believe to the real people of God, it is something that we so look forward to. I plan my entire week around church. I love it, Lord. I just absolutely love going to the house of God. Uh, I'm not a casual Christian to where I think of, of God on Sunday and then I lay him aside every other day of my life. He is my life. Every day, every night, every moment, every hour. And Lord, I know I'm not the only one that feels that way here today. And I'm so glad to be among people who feel that way. So here we've come today, Father, and we just have this expectation in our heart to believe that we're going to hear from heaven. We're asking that you should speak to us. Now, Father, it comes my, my lot to have to stand before the people here and try to bring something. And, Lord, I'm inadequate, though I've done this since I was just an 18-year-old boy. Lord, I'm still no more qualified now than I was the first sermon that I preached there in my uncle's highway holiness church all those years ago. And Lord, I get just as bad as nervous today as I did then. I'm no better at it. I'm, I'm less, less uh, than the least of the greatest among your people. But Father, somehow you call me to this and I want to be able to serve you as faithfully as I can all my life. So help me, Lord Jesus, today. If there be anything of eternal value that will come out of this service, it will have to be you that does it. So I'm simply just an instrument, the way this microphone is over my ear, or a tambourine in the hand of an individual, or these ivory keys that Brother Larry just laid his fingers on, and these strings, and Lord, we're just instruments. So we pray that you would take us into your hands and beat out of us, Lord God, that which is pleasing in the service today. Speak to us, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. This is a great age of contrast, we know. The Word of God has never been so bright, and the darkness of the world has never been so dark. Man has never advanced so far, as far as in our lifetime, and what we know historically, in the sciences. People have advanced in arts and culture and so on and so on. And yet the darkness of sin has never been where it is. Sickness, disease, 
We broke into things in science that's absolutely overwhelming. What man can do in the medical field is just a marvel. Be able to take a shoulder that's worn out and replace that shoulder. Be able to take a hip that's gone, a knee that's gone. Some of you have had that done. It's absolutely remarkable what man has been able to do. And yet we still have not we still have not conquered many of the diseases, and may I say it not to be negative, we never will. Because disease is not conquered just in the laboratory. You will conquer, fully conquer disease when sin has been conquered itself. And of all the great achievements that man has done, man still does not have the ability to be able to go inside another man and change that nature. We try to send people through rehab. We try to get to the source of why do they drink and why do they dope and why do they do this and that and the other. We try to reprogram their minds and we try to uh, give them a higher education. Well, it's because they're poor and because they, they didn't have a degree. So we educate them and then we make them smart educated centers. So we only raise them to a higher plane to where they know how to sin in a higher degree than what they did and there's a poor bloat on the side of the road. So in spite of everything that we've done, we will never be able to take care of the course and the cause of sin. Only God can do that. And we look at the age that we live and see that in this age that it's a time when the prophet said it was the golden age, which is an amazing thing when you look at it, uh, the golden age. And yet it, 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 to parallel it with the other side, it's the age of such darkness and such sin that's in the world. And it's an age when people are so lonely. An age when people are so hungry and so starving just for human attention and just to be loved. One of the brothers here in our church was telling me just this week of him being his occupation of being a school bus driver and how the kids that he deals with, so many of them just so hungering for love and just reaching out to love. And my daughter uh, working in the school system and sharing some of the similar things with me and her mother over and over again, many of them little kids that she deals with, wants to come home with and wants to, them wants to be able to be them live in their home and her be their mother. So it's it's sad the age that we live in. And in spite of all the great things, oh, we can boast and brag that we put a man on the moon and we've been able to put these satellites way out there in the universe and we can be able to do all of these great things, but have we satisfied the longing in man's heart? No. We're no closer to that than we've ever been because it's beyond our reach to do so. And at the same time, whenever we around the message of the hour, we believe that God has sent an illumination on His Word that has never been before, do we not? With the restoration of the Word and God sending the prophet of Malachi for of the great things that God has done. But has it eliminated all of our problems? It has not. Has it eliminated all of our difficulties in life? Is there anybody here today that's problem-free? Anybody here today that is stress-free in your home, stress-free in your family? Oh, some of you may be richer than you've ever been before. Did that ease your problems or bring more? Some of you have it easier maybe in life than what you've ever had it. Maybe you live in a nicer home than you've ever had it. Maybe the automobile that you drive is nicer than, than you had many, many years ago. But has it taken away all of your problems? I'll answer for you. No, it has not. 
And yet we know that these natural things will, of life will never be able to do it. So here we live in the culmination of all the ages. That it is the very capstone of what God is trying to accomplish. And it is actually the capstone of the destruction of cosmos or the world order as we know it. And yet Satan will continuously lead by science and education in his denominational system to where that people will go farther and farther away from God. He will make it easier and easier for them to sin. He will convince them that the religion that they have will demand less and less. So they can, you know, not really be given anything toward God. God will not demand any sacrifice. God will make it so much easier on them that as I read an article just a month or so ago, that church as we know it before long will be totally annihilated. That people will no longer even be coming to the house of God. As I mentioned it to you before, every several minutes there is a church in America that closes its doors. Thousands of churches in America will be closed this year because the people are losing their desire to go to the house of God. So if you don't make it easier for them, the scientific world says you will no longer have anyone attending your church. As I saw a little comic strip just some time ago where the pastor was standing behind the pulpit and the pews were entirely empty. There was no one there, no deacons, no trustees, no one there in the church. And the pastor was speaking to the pulpit uh, from the pulpit mic and he said, I trust everyone is now enjoying our new way to stay home and stream. Well, apparently it was a big success because nobody was in church, so they all was really enjoying it. Now, we're living in that type of an age to where people want everything easier and easier and easier, and it's less demands on their time. It's less demand on what they have to give, but now they want more than they've ever got, of course, before, but yet they want to give out more less than they've ever given out. So if you're expecting something out of people on this day, well, you've either got to be a real message believer or you're nuts one because we're living in an age when people are going to give less and less and less and if you demand more they will go to another church it's just that simple but yet God is not going to compromise with us lazy bunch of Laodiceans that's right. Now, I know that it's soft and easy living and we're spoiled, more spoiled than we've ever been spoiled in our life. But God is not going to cater to us in our spoiled Laodicean ways. If we go to heaven, we're going to go and it's the same way that it's always been. It's the straight and narrow path and few there be that will find it. But really, the people of God that are born again, they're not asking for an easy path to heaven. They're not asking for God to eliminate all the problems and the difficulties. They ask simply for the grace of God to help them to deal with what they must deal with. Is that lie? Is that the way you feel today? So in that, then, God is not for his children. God is not putting them in the glass bubble of time and taking away all the problems and the difficulties that the Laodiceans want. But actually, God is molding and making his people with a character which is so godly that there will be nothing like it on the face of the earth. It will not compare, of course, with scientific research and all that Satan can be able to produce, but it will be something of the highest 
this nature, it will be divine within itself. And only God will be able to produce such a thing. Now, those of you that wasn't with us last night, we were dealing with some of the things of this age that will make us as the elect of God to be compatible as being residents of this great city. In other words, the character and quality of people that will reside in this great paradise that we've just read about will be unlike most anything that the majority of humanity on the earth have ever known. They bumped into a few of them in life, but they really never had the privilege to know them. So they really didn't know what they were dealing with, the kind of people that they were. But God knows that they are some of the very few that have ever lived on the earth that have been produced out of the roughage of time, out of mere human life, but they have produced a character in them that is so much like his that he is not ashamed to call them brethren. And even in St. John 17, that he would tell us that the Father loves the saints as much as he loved the Lord Jesus, which is absolutely almost unbelievable. If the Bible had not said such a thing, we would not be able to even believe it. But yet to know that the love that God has is for a love of a people which is of his own kind. Now, they're burst, of course, in time, burst in a mortal body. They receive all types of complexes and fears at their birth. And they're the mixing of 23 chromosomes from the father, 23 from the mother. And then they have all types of fears and complexes that they receive as a young man, as a young woman. And then they become teenagers. And then they become in their 20s, many of them up in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, before they ever give their heart to God. So they have all kinds of baggage that they bring with them. And they would look as if so they would be unredeemable from that type of a stage. Because the prophet tells us that you make yourself when you're young. So much of what you will become, you become that when you were young. Now you realize that being said, and that is a great truth that I trust we accept and believe, that for many of us, we look totally impossible to ever be redeemed from what we were when we were young. And Satan set much of our path, the course of our journey, when we were young. This is why if you raise a child in an alcoholic home, and a drug addict home, you know, in a divorced home, and many of those types of things, Satan has known it by repetition of dealing with 6,000 years of humanity, that if you set them in that type of a structure and that type of a mindset, for the most part, many of them will never be redeemed. They will never change because it sets their path. It locks their course, it sets their destiny as it were, to where that many of them will never get away from it. They will never ever actually rise above what they are molded and shaped into and yet you look over this congregation today and people just like you around the world, it seemed as if though your course was chartered. It seems as if though your destiny was already laid out and you would never break loose from those 10 years, 20 years, 25 years of heartaches, anxiety and trouble and sorrow. It seemed that you were set on the path but here you are today walking a path, amen, which is so different than what Satan chartered for you. It is so different than what you ever thought, what your family ever thought, amen. But the thing was, it was not what you thought, it was what God thought. 
I know the thoughts that I think towards you of mercy. I know the thoughts that I think towards you and they are not of evil. Yet that within itself is a profound miracle because it sets within our subconscious. It sets within our human behavior and we know that we are creatures of habit and we know that we continue to repeat over and over again. The endless generations have spoken of the same that we become the nature of one behind us. Can't you see why Satan did not have to have another Eve in every generation of humanity. All he had to have was one Eve and then corrupt that nature and mix the seed lines together in Genesis 6 and they would reproduce the same over and over and over again. Look at many of your brothers and sisters in the natural. Look at your cousins. Look at many of your family, what they have become and say thank God for his grace that you're not there today because genetically and by upbringing and by ethnicity and all of that together oh my most of us should not be where we are in the house of God today most of us should not be believing what we believe and embracing what we have embraced praise God most of us by natural course of life should not be on the very brink of the body change but something changed our natural destiny. Something changed what we were molded to be when we were a young man and young woman. Something beyond us. Something beyond our family. Something beyond our DNA. Something beyond our chromosomes. What is it? The divine program of the sovereign God. He who called you. He who chose you. He who ordained you will complete your past. My brothers and but all of that being said it doesn't mean that he relieves all the stress around our lives and all the difficulties as a matter of fact a lot of that will help make you what you are no doubt many of you have experienced things in the last few years that You'd have never thought, you know, looking back in retrospect and going backwards and looking forward, never thought you would have ever went through some of the things that you have. And if you, you'd have been able to see a preview of it, you thought, there's no way I could deal with such. There's no way I could ever go through. And yet you look at it now and you think, you know, it's been hard, it's not been easy, but who's brought you where you are? The grace of God. Now, whenever the Lord chooses us for this journey, there's many things about our life that will be emerging together of both natural and supernatural. Because the children of Israel was a parallel of where the New Testament church is going to be, except in a greater way. Now, we see that God moved upon them and taking their land, and God come in, of course, and knocked down the walls of Jericho, and that was a supernatural advent. But we never find God ever doing that again for the rest of the cities that they took and God chose hornets a time or two and God did some supernatural things that was totally apart from what the children of Israel was going to do but much of what God did was blend the super with their natural 
And then God gave them swords and God gave them staves and God gave them spears and God gave them armament and so on and God would anoint their natural ability and then from there they took the rest of the land by that supernatural. Now God sometimes can choose supernatural and he will take something and sometimes he makes it look like it's a a, a natural thing and other times he makes it look like there's totally nothing to do with humanity. But then much of our battles, as you already know, it is God in his own sovereign way of anointing us, natural human beings, in a very super way to help us to do what he wants us to accomplish. Because he wants each of us when we stand before him that day to be able to stand there and not be empty handed. He does not want a young man sitting here or a young woman or an older man or an older woman. He does not want any of his children walking up before him that day for rewards which is where the elect will stand and we stand there before him and there's absolutely nothing given to our credit that there's nothing that we have ever done well you didn't lead anybody to me you never witnessed about me you never came through anything you never overcome anything he does not want one of his children to be there so God works it out in our lives can you imagine what a complicated plan we're talking about that our father will work it in such a way that every one of his children of all the millions that have lived on the face of the earth when they stand there there will be this ultimate reward worked out of their life and this is the great thing about it is that God gives us the strength to do it and then he rewards us for doing what he gave us the strength to do now you talking about love and it's not well I've done this and I've done that come on be honest you ain't never really done much of anything what we've done is made a mess at about everything that God's ever given us Is that right? Man made a mess and he done it from the Garden of Eden and he still does it today. But the grace of God comes in, but he does not eliminate now and take the hard part out of it. How many testimonies have we heard that God healed this person and God out of a great trial done this and that and the other? But does it come easy? By no means does it come easy. So let us go back to where we were last night and let's look again if we can on some of the things that we deal with and we'll pick up again on stress. Now I'm sure most of you left here tonight stress-free. After the service, you took your little script that I wrote for you at the end of the service and you left totally stress-free and all the only ones that should have stress this morning are those that were that are here today that wasn't here last night. Oh, it didn't work that way for you. I'm so sorry. Watch this. Now, you know, because we are human beings and Satan has studied our our human makeup, he studied the uh, chemicals of our body, he understands more about the cells than naturally we do. He understands more than any professor there is in any university. That's right. That's why devils can hide from them. And yet Satan knows enough about the hormones in our bodies, the chemicals in our bodies. He knows enough about the cytokines. He knows enough about the all the different things the adrenal glands and the limbs and all that to be able to cause exterior stress to be able to produce interior problems for every one of us. Now as we looked at it last night, the stress itself can produce so many different things in the human being. Let's pick it up again this morning. Chronic stress can impair the development growth in children by lowering the production of growth hormone from the pituitary gland. I want you to think about, now let's call him today if we can, 
the mad scientist. So he's like this doctor that is trying to create a Frankenstein. So he wants to take what God created and how God made the human body with all the chemicals, all the glands, the tissues, the cells, all these things that are placed inside of us. Now Satan can't make a human being, of course, but what he wants to do is to be able to take the things at his disposal, which are lies, science, research, denominations, so on and so on, and be able to take those things and put them together and affect the human beings that God has made or created. So he wants to turn you and I into something contrary to what God desires us to be. So he will take stress, he will take sickness, he will take pain and sorrow, he will take all those types of things and run them in on our lives and then our body's physiology will begin to react accordingly. Then what do we do? Our bodies begin to change ourselves from the image of what God intended for us to be. Now the devil can't create any of this because he's not a creator, but he simply raises these issues around you and runs them in on you and your own body will change itself. Well, I'll tell you one thing, that kind of makes me feel like shouting a little bit because if he's doing that, it lets me know he ain't nothing but a copycat. He ain't nothing but a mimic. So our God is doing the same thing on the other side, letting us share the word of God, which is running the power of God within our soul. And one day it will force our soul to change our body for the last time. Amen. Now you imagine Satan being so cruel and so evil that he would cause our young children, our young children, that you'd think, my, that they should be exempt from a lot of this stress and difficulty. But I wonder how much here in our, in our church, our young children, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, before they even reach their teenage years, and already going through such stress and such strain at home, or stress and strain that they should never have to deal with. And they started this young age, you imagine? Imagine what they will be if the Lord tarries by the time they come 30 or 40 years old. So chronic stress can impair the development growth in children by lowering the production of growth hormone. Now who is it that knew this? Who is it? What being is it that knew that this would happen in young children? Well, it can only be one of two sources, God or the devil. And we know it ain't God. Notice the term stress derives from the Latin singeri, which is to draw tight, string a to draw tight. Stress causes capillaries to close, which restricts bleeding in a, if a flesh wound should occur. Now remember, God made this in us knowing we would need it after the fall. It's called the fight or flight response. So the body, of course, will be able to release these hormones, and when it does, the adrenaline and the cortisone will be able to be released in your body. Your muscles will tense up to protect themselves. It also runs in then on your capillaries. Why? Because you're fixing to get wounded possibly. So to keep you from bleeding to death, your body will tighten up. Now that's wonderful in an emergency until Satan turns it around and becomes seven days a week, 24 hours a day. That we're living in a tense, nervous world. Tell me, how many days a week do you all have that's tense free? Anybody like to stand and give testimony today that you've had 365 days in the last year with no tension, no pressure? Nobody? Or about the last six months? Last three months? 
Last 13 seconds. Notice what happens to you now in the body. Pupils dilate during stress much the same way they dilate in response to attraction. Together, more visual information about a situation. Now, notice this scientist, which understood enough about the body to be able to move and cause all these things around us to be able to build such tension, and then it puts our bodies in this high-stress zone all the time. Anybody here that don't have a very stressful job? Oh, shoot, I saw somebody did. I wanted it. <laughs> oh, Brother Donnie, I thought yours was low stress. You're crazy. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Notice this chronic stress floods the brain with powerful hormones that are meant for short term emergency situations. Chronic exposure can damage, shrink, and kill brain cells. It ain't no wonder we're dealing with a crazy age, friends. Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you're going crazy right along with them. (laughs) Stress makes the blood stickier in preparation for an injury. Such a reaction, however, also increases the probability of developing a blood clot. Chronic stress increases cytokines, which produce inflammation. Exposure to constant inflammation can damage arteries and other organs. Now listen, I'm describing your everyday life in Laodicea. Stress can result in more headaches as a result of the body rerouting blood flow to the other parts of the body. Who in the world is doing me this way? Who is rerouting my blood? Who is releasing my cytokine? I wish they'd leave my cytokine alone. Who's causing this? Who has learned how to do this to us? Stress can alter blood sugar levels, which can cause mood swings, fatigue, hyperglycemia, metabolic syndrome, a major risk for heart attack and diabetes. Chronic stress decreases the body's immune system response to infection and can affect a person's response to immunization. So you get a shot for this and a shot for that and a shot for this and a shot for that and a shot for this and a shot for that and a shot for this and then Satan stresses you all out and it don't really do you no good except you got big pump knots all over your body. Why? One simple thing. Stress. Aren't you glad we got a place of release though? In Christ Jesus. Notice stress can increase the ability of chemicals to pass the blood-brain barrier which shields neurons from some poisons, viruses, toxins, and other fluctuations in normal blood chemistry. All of this by stress? Extreme or sudden emotional trauma can lead to broken heart syndrome, BHS, or stress cardiomyopathy. 
Wow, I wouldn't be able to say that word. Severe heart muscle weakness. The condition occurs rapidly in using women. Now, you imagine broken heart syndrome. And this is all coming from where? Because these people are all drunkards. They're all on dope. They smoke marijuana in the morning. They eat it for breakfast. They eat it for lunch. They live in this age. They want to live a normal life. They want many of these people out here, what do they want? They simply want the American dream. They want to be able to get married. They want to be able to have a home, have a car, be able to have little things of life. They're not looking to be some great people in life. They just want to live a normal, so-called normal American life. They're not looking to be great politicians. They don't want to be in the White House. They don't want to have great, great goals. They just simply want to live. Stress causes deterioration in everything from your gums to your heart and can make you, make you more susceptible to illnesses ranging from the common cold to, yes, the C word, cancer. Besides heart disease, post-traumatic stress disorder and depression, chronic stress has been linked to illness as diverse as intestinal problems, gum disease, growth problems, and even cancer. One study found that people who experience high amounts of stress at work are more likely to develop type 2 diabetes. And you thought it was RCs and moon pies. Who's doing this to us? Recent research has also showed that a stress hormone cause skin orders like psoriasis and eczema. Chronic rises in stress hormones has been shown to accelerate the growth of precancerous cells and tumors. Now can you imagine? They put mice rather in rats and these small animals under stressful situations. I'm not sure what would stress a mouse and let it be the sign of a mouse trap. I'm not sure what they do, but somehow they put these little critters in this type of a deal and then they check their sensors on the inside of their body and they watch these things and they take that raised hormone level from the mice and put it in cancer cells and those cancer cells explode with growth from stress. But Dr. Donnie's going to give you all a prescription today. And your blessed assurance covers it. You don't have to call Blue Care, Blue Cross, Ten Care, Medicare, Medicaid, and see if you qualify. If you're a human being today and you want it, you qualify. I'll tell you what one simple thing we can do. Pray more and read our Bible. Come to the house of God. Sing happy songs. See, it's too simple for you. You need some laboratory to be able to make some old word about that big long head on. You have to pay a copay. No, no copay at all. You just simply take God at his word and believe it. That God wants you and I, children of God, right in the middle of all this hell to be able to live a happy, Holy Ghost-filled, consecrated life. Amen. 
Notice what these hormones now in your body, which are sent there only for a temporary thing to get you through an emergency situation. With the constant excretion of these hormones in your body, they also lower the body's resistance to HIV and cancer-causing viruses like human pneumonia virus, the precursor to cervical cancer in women. When cells shrink due to exposure to stress hormone. Now notice what happens inside of your body when you live under this constant stress. Your cells begin to shrink inside your body. Listen to this. Who, who but God or death, the devil could be able to understand such a thing. Don't you understand what he does when doctors study it? He only lets them break in so far. But the Holy Ghost goes beyond what doctors microscope can do. When cells shrink due to exposure to stress hormones. And where's these stress hormones coming from? You. You're making them. You are a walking chemical factory. So Satan just makes all this stuff out here. And then here you are in this world. You get all upset and all stressed out. And then here you are, your chemical. Oh, my factory just putting out all this stuff. And it's killing us. Praise God. When cells shrink due to exposure to stress hormones, they disconnect from church. I mean, they, they disconnect from... They disconnect from each other, which contributes to depression. Men are more likely than women to develop certain stress-related disorders, including hypertension, aggressive behavior, and abuse of alcohol and drugs. Oh my goodness, this has been pretty sad so far in this, hasn't it? Is there no answer? Is there no hope? Is there no way that we could, that we could reverse this? Actually, there is. Laughing. <laughs> Proverbs fifteen thirteen. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. Look at the word merry, joyful, glad, showing joy. Oh, I've got so much joy, Brother Donnie. Won't you let your face know first? It is showing joy. You who rejoice. Amen. You who rejoice. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow, oh my, of heart the spirit is broken. And the church said, Amen. Proverbs 15, 15, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Well, praise God. Laughing lowers stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline and strengthens the immune system by releasing health-enhancing hormones. Now think of it, you've got these one hormones which are in you, cortisol and adrenaline and all that. It's there for emergency. It's not there for you to live by day by day. 
But you have other hormones in your body which are there for you're supposed to live by day by day. And when you laugh and when you smile and when you are happy and you enjoy serving the Lord, they release these feel-good hormones inside of your body. I'm probably looking from some of you, y'all been running low for a while. The average child laughs 400 times per day. The average adult, 20 times or less. Now some of you have already went back to being a child in your mind. Maybe you should in laughter. Oh my. Chronic stress worsens irritable bowel syndrome, a condition that irritates the large intestine and causes constipation, cramping, and bloating. A good sense of humor can't cure all ailments, but data is mounting about the positive things laughter can do. Can you imagine how the medical science has broken to this and they are now teaching laughing therapy? We have it too. It's called Homer Longorio. <laughs> Laughter is especially important in helping people get over chronic illness. It's often not the illness itself that overwhelms us and drags us down, but our fear and anxiety about the illness. Friends, did you understand when Brother Branham said that even if you had cancer, if you didn't fear it, it couldn't hurt you? You sisters frying a piece of meat and the grease pops out on your hand. If you don't fear it, it can't burn you. Oh my, this can set up a stressful cycle, pain, fear, and anxiety about the illness. It worsens the illness, which increases pain, fear, and anxiety, which in turn continues to worsen the illness. Can't you see? He's the very one that causes it. And then when we're diagnosed, then our body goes to work again against us. You've got heart deal. You've got this. Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. What am I going to do? Then you have now turned your own body against yourself and getting well. Humor can break this cycle by triggering, triggering rather, the release of endorphins. The body's natural Painkillers. This is how physical exercise boosts a person's mood. Laughter boosts natural killer cells. Whoa. Which are suppressed during stressful experience. So your body has these killer cells. They're the guys going around with AR-15s. They're inside your body every day and they're looking for every germ that's trying to take your life. They're looking for every germ, every cell, and they're there. I mean, they're killer cells. But when you're under stress, you kill your killer cells. You suppress your killer cell, but when you go to laughing, your killer cells drag out their ammo. Children, don't you see how much he loves you? This is within us. He wanted us to be so happy in the middle of heartaches, in the middle of hell, that he gave us a natural ability within our own body to drive back much of our own pain and intense sorrow. 
Stress and tension elevate stress hormones, tighten muscles, constrict blood vessels, upset neurohormones, depress the immune system, and overload the heart. Laughter relieves tension, lowers stress hormones, improves neurochemistry, settles the heart, boosts the immune system, so laugh often, it's good for your health. <laughs> Laughter has been credited with promoting relaxation, improving sleep, strengthening social bonds, improving overall attitude, producing a general sense of well-being. Laughter has been shown to provide many physical benefits as well as such as boosting the immune system, enhancing oxygen intake, stimulating the heart and lungs, relaxing muscles, easing digestion, relieving pain, improving blood pressure, improved mental functions, releasing endorphins. Anybody need any of the above? And it costs you But you see, this is most of our response. But I don't have nothing to laugh about. My bills are past due. Wheel fell off my car coming to church. We had to hike, we had to hitchhike all the way to church. I ain't got no money to buy my wife nothing to eat after church. Baby's birthday's coming due tomorrow. Oh, you're basing your joy in everything around you. The Bible tells me the joy of the Lord is my strength. That has nothing to do with flat tires, has nothing to do with, with unpaid bills. We're basing our joy, our happiness on the things around us and how much we feel. The joy of the Lord never runs out. It never runs die dry. It does not fluctuate with the stock market. It does not fluctuate when the Dems are in the White House or the Republicans are in the White House. The joy of the Lord is constantly there. It's there 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Amen. Saints, is that true? But our joy is so up and down. We're not sure we can live another day. Shame on us. Laughter therapy even works if patients can't find anything genuinely to laugh about. As forced or fake laughter still releases endorphins. Can't you see how much God wanted to help you? Can't you see how much he knew we would come to this age? He knew there would not be a lot of things to laugh about. But he said, if I can just get them to fake life a little bit, I'll release some endorphins in their body because your brain cannot differentiate between a false life and a real one or a false smile and a real one. I hope I'm ready for the fallout after this sermon. I can see it in the Johnson City Press now. People from the church up on the hill have all started stupidly laughing. 
Reports are coming in from so-and-so and reports are coming in from the med center. Reports are coming in from here and there. These people are just uncontrollably laughing about something, but we're not sure why. And we've asked them what they're laughing about and they don't even have the answer. <laughs> Do you understand laughing is contagious? You ever see somebody laughing about something? You know, Brother Darrell, man, I love that guy. He's just one of the kind of guys that just laugh about everything. He's one of the kind of guys that he's going to tell you something funny. And he'll laugh five minutes before he ever tells you what it is that's funny. And you're sitting out with this blank look on your face waiting for him to tell you what's funny so you can laugh. And by the time he tells it, he's done done with all the laughing. You're just now kind of catching up late, you know. But Brother Darrell's a very lifey, happy sort of a guy. You know, I'm the type of a person I'm jealous of. I'm more of a sour, quiet, somber, you all know me. But you know, you think, well, God, God loved us all so much that he wanted us to be able to laugh and smile and enjoy life. And Brother Donnie, I cannot believe you're preaching this. Why? Because I haven't read you the quotes first. Y'all don't know me well enough to know. I've got something here to back up what I'm saying, friends. Laughing, laughter therapy even works if patients can't find anything genuine to laugh about. As forced or fake laughter still releases endorphins. Another study found that neuroendocrine and stress-related hormones decreased during laughter. In one particular case, an 88-year-old female patient was diagnosed with advanced gastric cancer and opted not to receive cancer treatment. Instead, she was prescribed laughter therapy. Which took place in a laughter-inducing environment. The program was structured so that the patient felt safe and relaxed, that it increased her joy of living. Just over a year and a half later, the endoscopy revealed that her condition significantly improved. And five years after her initial diagnosis, she remained in good condition. She laughed herself out of cancer. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Laughter has been shown to increase the levels of interior ferron gamma in the body, which in turn promotes the release of B cells, T cells, NK cells, and immunoglobulin. I hope I've done justice to that word. And it also helps regulate cell growth. This all comes from laughter? And you're taking vitamin A supplements and vitamin B and vitamin C and vitamin D and vitamin YOCO3OCO. And it comes from the deepest parts of the Amazonian desert. You know, jungle down there, it's $385 a bottle. But it is so powerful, you've got some more powerful in you than man has ever made. And God put it there if you just use it. Well, I'm not sure how long it lasts, but somebody's going to feel better just after this service. I ain't seen some of you laugh this much, and I don't know when. Not only can all these things help boost your immune system, they may also help and prevent the growth 
Laughter also increases levels of complement three. A part of your immune system that helps antibodies pierce through defective or infected cells in order to destroy them. So while you're laughing, there's a war going on. Because you are complimenting compliment three. And while your life in compliment three is piercing them bad cells in your body. That sure check me out. Look on WebMD. Look anywhere you want to look. Look at Mayo. Look wherever you want to look and find these studies. They broke into something that the word of God says. A very heart doeth good like a medicine. A good life has great short-term effects when you start to laugh. It doesn't just lighten your load mentally. It actually induces physical changes in your body. Laughter can stimulate many organs. Life enhances or your intake of oxygen-rich air. Stimulates your heart, lungs, and muscles and increases the endorphins that are released by your brain. But can't you see why Satan don't want us to see this? He wants us driving up through Walgreens drive-thru and CVS and Rite Aid and over-the-counter this and over-the-counter that. And you can guarantee, friends, he wants us to do that way, knowing if you break over one time and get addicted to something, you'll run for the rest of your life. Unless the mercy of God helps you. When you've got a lot of it, even physically, is already inside your own body. If you can break into the understanding, well, brother, brother, what do I do? Live a happy, simple life as a child of God. Oh my, let's go on over just a little bit there, brothers in the back, if you would. Let me come over here to something now that Brother Branham said. I've got a lot more more here on laughter, but I think you've heard enough, haven't you? The resurrection of Jesus, he said, God don't want you to be frowning. God wants you to be happy. The human heart was made to be happy. Worry will cause cancer. Temper will cause cancer. Don't never be upset. I'm telling you one thing, that's quite a quote to quote. It's another thing to live. Don't never be upset. Just walk in his love, amen, knowing that you're walking in him and nothing can harm you. There's nothing can harm you. There's neither powers, things present, things future. Nothing can separate us from him. We're in him. And we never come in by our own will. Amen. He by choice elected us and brought us to him. Amen. Hallelujah. So it's his business to take care of what he's took himself. It ain't my place to get myself through. It ain't your place to get yourself through. He called me. It's his place. Only believe in Tallahassee. We ought to be the happiest people on earth. Angel of the Covenant, the Christian has not one worry in the world. They should be the most freest, happiest people in the world because there's nothing you can't lose. All things work together for good to them that love God. So how can we lose? 
Again, Hebrews, on this great hour of darkness and chaos over the earth, we should be the happiest people on the whole earth. Look at the contrast of the way that he contrasted in that quote. Oh my, on this great hour of darkness and chaos, we should be the happiest people in the whole earth. Don't look down and be weary. We're just coming to the place for the coming of the Lord Jesus. Instead of being weary, we should be the most happiest people in the whole world. And we are, sure we are, because we're not afraid of bombs. Why, the bombs don't bother us. Praise be to God. I read it last time, but let me read it again. Psalm 1611, that will show me the path of life. In thy presence is the fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 27, 6, now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Psalm 30 and 5, for his anger endures, but for a moment in his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Psalm 32, 11, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Psalm 35, 27, let them shout for joy and be glad. Now I want you to notice, there's something here that you and I have got to do. We've got to shout for joy. Now maybe I'm wrong, but I just have a hard time believing it would be. No, but was that the way your mother shouted at you? Is that, way, that, that the way you parents shout at your children? Children, stand up and give witness to me. Please help me out of here now. Now, parents and, and children, you children, be honest. Is that the way whenever you do something wrong, your daddy shouts at you? No? No? Okay. All, all right. Some, some of your children have told on you now, parents. So they just, now, child. Now, dear. Do not, do not do this because mother does not like it. And the child says, okay, mother. Right. You don't even find that in Cinderella. (laughs) Come on now, don't act like you don't know what shouting is. David said, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Psalm 42, 4, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept the holy day. Psalms 105, 43, and he brought forth his people with joy and his chosen with gladness. Isaiah 12, 3, therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Therefore with joy ye shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. 
frustration, not with bitterness, not with sadness, not with grumpiness, not with loneliness, but with joy. Isaiah 61.3, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness. What are we talking about? The fruit being restored back to the broad tree. When it comes back that you exchange your garment, you get rid of your heaviness, you get rid of your sorrow, and you get the oil of gladness you get the garments of righteousness then you're called the trees of righteousness the planting of the Lord notice Habakkuk 3.18 yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will joy in the God of my salvation then God can never get you out of this place God joins in in the festivities Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee is mighty He will save He will rejoice over thee with joy Can you imagine the Lord God being among us And the Lord God brother Dow rejoicing with joy Not over the earth Not over the planets Not over the stellar solar system But God rejoicing with joy over us Praise God Amen. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. John 16, 24. Hitherto you have asked nothing in my name. Ask. You shall receive that your joy may be full. John 17, 13, now I come to thee and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Acts 20, 24, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy. Wouldn't you hate to leave this world crowned with an old grouchy, contrary, decrepit crown isn't it amazing he didn't say with depth I want to leave this life so deep in God I want to leave with such understanding but he said I want to leave it with joy why you talking about a victory for a man like this to leave this life with joy oh sure the joy of getting gone no he wanted to be crowned with joy and fulfillment of what God had called him to we're talking about a man that sat in the jail as I stood there several years ago and roamed and looked up in that hole the only light that this man had rats running over his feet hardly no water to drink no food to eat and yet he said I found myself whatever state I'm in to be happy and be content he wrote it from the bottom of a Roman jail he had no place to preach his feet were chained his hands was chained he did not have the liberty that you and I have today but he had found a place in Christ Jesus that he could be happy in the middle of a Roman jail if Paul could be happy in the middle of a Roman jail I believe we can be happy in the middle of Laodicea's jail and Laodicea's tension and Laodicea's pressure because we have found our peace in Christ Jesus not in ourselves not in the things that are around us
Romans 5, 11, not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. 1 Peter 4, 13, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Jude 1, 24, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his home, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Psalms 5:11. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy. Because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Psalms 35:9. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. Psalm 63:5. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Psalm 95, 1, oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. Ah. Some folks make a skillful noise. Yeah. Some folks make a trained noise. This scripture here covers those of us who can't make a joyful noise or a trained one or a skillful one. But we still make a joyful one. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We left our etiquette at home. As you know, every time I preach, I forget my pulpit manners. <laughs> I'm not educated. I'm not no DD or nothing like that. But there's one thing I want to do. I'm going to make an impact on this world. I was born into this world to torment hell. I was born in this world to deliver the people of God. I was born in this world to cast out devils. I want to live every day of my life. Oh, not just exist as a child of God. Amen. I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. Amen. I don't want to exist. Oh, hallelujah. I want to be a child of God filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, my. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Praise God. Let's bow our heads if you would. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word today, Father. I find it so amazing, Lord, that science has broken into some of these things that it must have been so odd and so strange years ago in 1949 and 1951 and all that before even these tests were even conducted in clinical studies that the prophet was telling people the importance of being happy. Never let a negative thought. He said, come into your mind. He said, if it comes in, don't let it stay. Be like the farmer that said he couldn't stop the birds from flying over his farm, but he could stop them from making a nest. It's a very simple, simple story. But Lord, such great profound truths. Help us, Lord, as your people. We do not want to be here in the last day, Lord Jesus, and stand here filled with the Holy Ghost, revelated, worshiping you, thanking God for revealing to us a message from the end time of Malachi 4, and as fruitless as we can be. Our joy gone, our peace gone, 
And we're just barely, barely hanging on. We have to fight to come to church and fight to stay awake and fight to get anything and fight to do this and fight to do that. Help us, Lord Jesus. As I said, we don't want to just survive. We want to thrive. Praise be to God. We want to be like the tree planted by the rivers of water who yieldeth forth his fruit in his season. But the ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Oh, praise God. Therefore, the ungodly shall not set with the righteous, nor the righteous set with them. But, Father, we desire to be a people planted by Christ the waters of life right now. Not only when we get to heaven, we believe our rights have already been restored to us, to the tree of life. There is no tree of frowning. There is no tree of sorrow. There is no tree of despair that will ever be set out in that city. Then why should I have one set out in my soul now? The only tree I want in my soul is the tree of life. Blooming and bringing forth full fruition of what you desire. Oh, well, I have battles and trials. Of course I will. But, Father, we believe we can have joy in the midst of our deepest trials. Praise God. May we leave today, Father something that will help us to be better men and better women, boys and girls. We can be better equipped. And Lord, to be able to reach out to others. Lord, many of these people worrying about being a witness. And when I, I'm not qualified to, to share a serpent seed. And I, I'm, not, I'm not qualified to be able to, to break open the mystery that God hid. Help them to see, Lord. Hopefully after today they can understand. They can might impart something to somebody that requires quoting no scriptures. And quoting no quotes, but maybe just a smile. A little something that can brighten somebody's day. Praise God. Lord Jesus, forgive us, Father, for letting Satan rob us of our joy. We love you with all of our hearts. Father, we're not, we're not preaching emotional stirs and fanaticism and foolishness. Lord, we believe there's a place in you that in the midst of our deepest trials, there's a peace that holds us, Father. When things aren't going the way that we thought they should, and we know that you're able to help us. Granted, I pray, Lord. How many here today, just by signifying it by raising your hand, you need help with what you've heard today? I do. Amen. Remember, when the preacher's preaching, he's not just preaching to you, but many times God's using his gift to preach to himself. That's right. Let's just pray again if we can. And I want you now not to pray for the person standing by you, but maybe it's your job. Maybe you're a caregiver with a family relative, and they've got terminal something. They say that's one of the high-stress high levels of the modern-day person is being a caregiver. And dealing with a loved one who's lost their memory or lost, you know, many of their capabilities of moving around. Whatever yours is today. The tension of this life. Friend, not based on me. Forget me. Leave me out of the equation. This is not based on what I said. This is not even based just on medical science. Based on God's Word. God's Word. God wants to help you in the time of trouble. Jesus said, ask in my name that your joy might be full. Yeah. Not just a little bit, but full. Whatever you need. 
Let's just pray together. I want to pray for you, and I want you to hold your needs, your request. Maybe it's a family member that's robbing you of your joy. And it seems the situation is totally out of your control. The more you pray for them, the wilder they get. The more you pray for them, the farther they get away from God. You've let that thing rob you, steal your joy. You don't even know how long it's been that you've really enjoyed life. Enjoyed just being with God in His presence, just talking to Him and thanking Him. Because every time you go to pray, it's always about that daughter, that son, that husband, that wife, that grandmother, whatever it is. I don't know how you feel, but there's times when I go to God in prayer, I don't ask Him for nothing. I just come to talk to Him to tell Him how much I love Him. And thank Him for all the good things He's done. Oh, sure, I have all kinds of things to pray about, but sometimes I purpose it in myself. I'm asking Him for nothing today. Not at this particular time of the day anyway. It's a time of worship, a time of exaltation, a time of praise, a time of thank you. Praise God. Maybe you need that restored back in your heart today. Why don't you just ask Him, Lord, I see what the man of God's saying. I've let Satan rob me. I'm sorry, Lord. Help me, Father, that I can be more what you want me to be. I believe I'm a daughter of God, a son of God with the Holy Ghost. Lord, I need your joy in a more abundant measure in my life. Oh, grant it, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Father. Lord, from the text and the emails and all the response I heard from last weekend services, apparently, this is a great need among your people. The responses, Lord, wasn't just from Happy Valley. They were from India, South Africa, Europe, all over the United States, Canada, from preachers, from lay folks. Lord Jesus, you're so mindful of us. Help us, Father. We don't want to be foolish. We don't want to be giddy and just laugh, Lord, like the world, like we're trying to hide something. But, Father, we do want to tap to, into every resource that we have that's available for us as the people of God. Minister to us today, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Can we just raise our hands? Sing something to us, Harry. Let's just worship him a little bit now. Now we've made our petition. We've worshiped. We've praised. But let's, let's lay our petitions now, as it were, on the altar and let's just enter into a time of us as his wife ministering to him amen just telling him how you feel about him what he means to you how you love him how you adore him praise God thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Yes, Lord Jesus. Coming down. Bless your name. From the Father above. Sweep over my spirit. Yes, Lord. Forever. I pray. In fact 
of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Remember the youth banquet next Friday night, Lord willing, Brother David Siler will be speaking that, and then he'll be sticking over with us for the weekend, so we'll get blessed by a good preacher next weekend. Be with us Saturday night and Sunday morning, so let's come back expecting the Lord to speak to us once again. God bless you. I love you. I hold my heart. Go in the fear of God. Service Wednesday night. Let's just sing it as we go. Nobody loves me. Nobody loves me like you love me, Jesus. I It's like a picture that you paint. 